0: Ends, welcome to Coffee with Caregivers. I'm your host, Jess Ronnie, also known as Jess Plus The Mess. I'm an author, speaker, and founder of the Lucas Project, a nonprofit dedicated to serving special needs families with recognition and respite. I created Coffee with Caregivers as a space to bring awareness to the struggles that families often face, including difficulties related to finances, mental health, and everything else in between. It is my belief that stories can change the world, and through conversations with caregivers, I hope to provide awareness that will lead to compassion and resources. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, friends. Welcome to Coffee with Caregivers. I'm your host, Jess Ronnie, and I'm here today with my friend and fellow author, Kate Swenson from Finding Cooper's Voice. Welcome, Kate
1: hi thanks for having me so excited to be here virtually yeah,
0: <laughs> thanks for carving out some time in your very busy schedule i know you're in the middle of a book launch um your book was just released a few days ago uh, forever boy it's a beautiful memoir of a mother's journey with her son cooper um who has autism and i'm about halfway through it um slowly but surely getting there and i'm just loving it it's so authentic and vulnerable and true and everything I love about you and how you write. And I'm just really excited to see what it does in the world. And um, I think to begin, can you just tell our listeners a little bit about who you are, um, how you came to be finding Cooper's voice and who Cooper is?
1: Yeah. So I am Kate. I live in Minnesota. I actually thought I was somewhat close to Jess. And then I'm like, well, that's an expensive flight. (laughs) Yes. When, I, when I Googled it one time, I um, live in the Midwest. I've been here my whole life, married four kids, which still shocks me when I say that out loud, 11, 9, Cooper's our oldest, 9, 3, and 10 months old. We are your stereotypical family. We do sports and activities and we run constantly and nonstop. And I have a Facebook page called Finding Cooper's Voice, which I love. It's a growing, thriving, supportive community of everybody, moms, dads, grandparents, teachers, therapists, anyone you can imagine. And then, like Jess mentioned, I wrote a book and I wrote it during COVID. It was hard. Everyone was home, homeschooling, pregnant, you know, nothing but fun. And it was harder than I thought it was going to be to write a book, but I am so proud of how it turned out. And it's been out for a few days and the reviews are so nice. It's been so fun. So
0: tell us about Cooper. Um, you said he's 10 and he has autism. When was he diagnosed? What was your reaction? You don't have to give, you don't have to give away too much of the book, but just yeah. kind of give us an overview of how all that came to be.
1: Yeah. So Cooper, um, first First preg- or first baby that we had, but I had always been around children. I've always been a nanny and a babysitter, love kids, super kid focused. And when he was born, he had a kind of a, a tough birth. It was long and drawn out and dramatic, just much like he is. And when I looked down at him, I remember thinking, he seems really confused. And I mean, what a and it was such an odd thing to think because I had nothing to compare it to. But after going on to have three more kids, um, Cooper was definitely confused by the world from the second he arrived, brought him home and he struggled to eat, sleep, kind of just figure out this newborn life. Right. It was like all the things that newborns do. He's like, I am not sleeping. He slept about six to eight hours in a 24 hour period. No one believed me. They thought I was lying.
0: I read yeah. that part in your book
1: and I felt like exhausted for you I was like oh my gosh this is horrible he never slept I mean that was the sentence I just repeated like he he doesn't sleep he doesn't sleep and he really loves stimulation right away and I have a girlfriend whose son is autistic and we we talk about this all the time how as a newborn you know most newborns are like curled up in your neck like little you know little meatballs he wanted to be like up facing out like in front of bright lights and the TV and Right away, that's what brought him comfort, stimulation. So um, as time went on, he met his physical milestones right away, and but never babbled. So even today at 11, he's never babbled. And that was his big sign that something was going on. And I, I kept pushing for help. And we lived in a very rural area and our doctor, who was very sweet, but she kept saying to me, you're a first time mom you are you're know, you overreacting he's a late bloomer he's a boy which i still hear all the time just parents not being you know validated and it took us a rocky couple years to get a diagnosis of autism even though he was classically autistic Mm -hmm. and once we got the services i actually felt immediate or the diagnosis i felt immediate relief like i have that in the book where i'm like okay now we know we're out of this in-between space but and, and and i was like and help's gonna pour in it's gonna rain down on us the help the help right <laughs> right, and, right um yep um because that's what you hear just ask for help yep. and there was uh there was nothing um, nothing changed we were doing ot we were doing, doing speech we were in the school district and um it kind of went on from there it was just many hard years of just trying to figure out what this little boy needed to figure out this world and we're in a much better place now but our beginning was challenging
0: how did his needs affect his life and your life in the beginning? Like what, what were you seeing? What was difficult? You had mentioned the sleep. What else was just really difficult.
1: So Cooper was incredibly rigid and he was very anti everything. <laughs> One of the sayings that I still say, cause we see it now is Cooper really struggles to just be, to just be present. So like, mm-hmm. here's how I describe it. Like if we brought our other kids to a toy store, they would play with the toys. If we brought our kids to a trampoline park, they would jump. If we brought them to a movie, they'd watch the movie. Cooper, he's made a lot of progress. But if we go somewhere, he doesn't know what to do. It doesn't make sense to him. So like if we go to a playground, he won't necessarily play. He may run the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. If we need him to go for a family walk, he'll sit down. Um, So in the beginning, when he was two and three, it was really hard because we wanted to keep living our life, right? We were young parents. We were we loved camping and fishing and boating and all of our friends were doing the same things. We couldn't do any of them. It's like everything kind of just slowly turned off and uh, the invites stopped coming and we eventually just had to stay home because Cooper would scream and he 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 would melt down and drop to the ground and run. And we had so many things that we'd go to where one of us, my husband and I would sit in the car with Cooper so he could watch Barney or Elmo while everyone else, you know, we'd watch from the car window. Sometimes we'd even open up the car window and like converse out, out the window.
0: We've done the same thing with Luke. Yep. One of you is always sitting in the in the van with the movie going and one of you's out playing with the other kids. And yep.
1: I have this, and I don't think this made the book. I can't remember, but wh- one of the this powerful image and memory I have, and it's it, it, if if my life is ever made into a movie, which it won't. I mean, this should be in it. Uh, we were at a family Christmas, and it was too loud, and it was too stimulating. And Cooper was he always wandered through people's houses and went through their drawers. And one of his big things was like knocking over the. Remember how people used to have like five hundred DVDs or five hundred mm-hmm. CDs. He loved the crash. He would make a lot of messes. And so we were, it was Christmas Eve and we were sitting in the car, Cooper and I, he was watching a movie and we were right outside in their driveway and there was a picture window and I saw the family, our whole family, like hugging and like singing and like my other son and I bawled. I was like, we don't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. We are invisible. And that was a really defining moment for me with how hard it was.
0: We had a very similar experience when Luke was four or five, we went to a family Christmas party and it was awful. The stimulation, he just kept screaming and screaming and screaming. And we left after like an hour and I got in the car and just bawled to my late husband, Jason, too. Like, is this our life? We can't even like enjoy a Christmas party. And we drove home and that was Mm -hmm. that it's Mm -hmm. so heartbreaking to be like, we can't even enjoy normal, regular, occurrences that other families take for granted
1: well and, and and i don't know about other families but what was so cha- still honestly is challenging is there's so many things that the swenson family always does and they always do it this way right and we can't so like one of them is the whole family like 60 people go camping every year at the same campground and we tried the first year cooper was probably three and at that point he was already obsessed with iphone tv back then it was vhs tapes mm-hmm. and um didn't understand at all what to do in the world of nature right, right. and we didn't have a camper at the, we still don't but we couldn't afford a camper we we tented it and we had to walk around the campground at 3 a.m when he woke up for his day and he screamed and people were so mean and i get it i get it you know but There's so many things that we're starting to do more now. Plus we're figuring out getting help. So we're in a different place now, but we lost so much contact with family. There was so much resentment. There was so much anger. It was so hard.
0: And we have that same story too. Actually, when Luke was three, we went to Frankenmuth, Michigan, like the Christmas city of the world. And we were going to have this awesome time. And we checked into the hotel and 3 a.m. Luke had been screaming for hours he would not go to sleep. And so we packed up the car at 3am and drove back home. Like this is miserable here. We're trying to have a fun time and it's miserable.
1: (laughs) So so I have a funny story that's so similar to that. So we went and stayed in a hotel with uh, our family doesn't do this anymore, but um, this is my family. We went to this, this hotel and it was like, let's just say like 50 family members. It was huge. It was, and we just took over the pool area and it was Cooper did not sleep, I mean, at all. And he was screaming so loud in the hotel room at 3 a.m. And we were doing everything we could to get the pack and play. Like, the pack and play wouldn't come together. And my husband, he's a super calm guy. I mean, we were under stress. Like, people were hitting on the the hotel wall. Yes, same with us. Yeah, we picked up that – he picked up that, like, it was empty, obviously, the pack and play, and just, like, crushed it together. <laughs> and um, we left. We drove home. We didn't say goodbye yep. to anyone. But what's so funny is, like, the next day we, like, pulled up the pack and play, and it was, like, <laughs> mangled. And we're like, well, that doesn't describe our life. I don't know what else does. Exactly.
0: To. <laughs> Great metaphor for our life. Yeah. Yes. So this is Coffee with Caregivers. So you're going through all of this. You're not sleeping. How are you – managing how's your mental health during all of this during the early years of dealing with all of this
1: so one of my saving graces is i worked full-time and uh i am i'm very truthful about this i'm not a good stay-at-home mom like i love my four kids more than anything but i go a little looney tunes like i'm not good at like like i'm really good at planning like saturday activities but like doing full day activities five days a week is not my jam
0: you're not so i'm on the floor playing with trains all day I am in the
1: evenings I am oh, in the are evenings. you okay oh yes. I'm not
0: I'm not oh. I'm like I don't really like to play and people are oh, like okay. what you have eight kids I'm like I don't really like to play all that much <laughs> I like to do activities with my
1: kids I like to read yeah. books but I don't really and My to play. kids don't do activities that's what's so funny <laughs> my kids okay. only play I and I I like activities um and I I'm hoping for my fourth that she will do that but so I was so thankful to go back to work I loved my job and. I it was uh, Jamie and I called it an eight hour vacation but that was very short-lived because kids like Cooper aren't often not welcome in daycare and it's really hard to find childcare. we were lucky for a while but um looking at my mental health back then so there's two years in between my kids so between Cooper and Sawyer and in that two years I got so skinny I have a um Part in the book where I taught it was actually the day I went back to work. I my building was all glass windows, and I walked by and I felt like I was looking at a ghost. I was so pale because Cooper didn't go outside, so I had not seen the sun in, in years, right. however long I had been, you know. And um, I had huge bags under my eyes, and I was real thin. And I'm not a thin person. I'm like a very athletic build. And it was, um, you know, there was no time to eat, and there was we were, I was up every forty five minutes around the clock, and I drank so much coffee and. I actually trained for a half marathon because I needed an outlet so I would run every night my husband would let me run not let me but I would run right. for 45 minutes to an hour and it was the number one thing for my mental health and I would run and I would you know talk to myself about Cooper getting better and Cooper talking and if I just ran more it would get better and I would bargain and make right. promises right. to myself and so my mental health I think my 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 brain was okay my body was not. I would and, and I would get sick for long periods of time. Mm-hmm. Like I would get a cold and it would last two months. Yeah. I was so run down.
0: We've talked about how how we operate kind of similarly, I think. Um, and as you're describing that, I'm looking at myself like, oh, I look really pale and I have deep yeah. under my eyes. <laughs> Here we are, and, <laughs> and I've lost some weight. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but you do, you kind of live in this fight or flight mode and you learn that it's easier almost to stay in fight or flight rather than even try to relax. And I find that in myself often too, like just do more, do more, do more, do more, do more. Don't even try to get out of that mode because it's so much harder to snap, like snap back into caregiver mode rather than just using that constant adrenaline to propel you. But you're right, when you finally do get sick or something, you're down and out like your body keeps the score and your body knows so Mm -hmm. when did it start to improve for you guys and what caused what attributed to some of the improvements that you saw
1: so we didn't have any so improvements for cooper and or you know our family family. yes the family in general yep um age eight so we had um you know, it's a whole story that when you hopefully you read the book and you get into my husband and I actually separated and we spent a couple of years apart, which is kind of a funny phrase because we saw each other every single day and still did holidays together. But we just relieved that pressure that having a child with a disability put on our family and we relieved it and it worked for us. I don't recommend it for anyone else because people are always like, ooh, a break. We try like, that? No. Yeah. <laughs> right. But we came back together. It's a really beautiful story. It's probably my favorite story in the book. And then... Had another baby, went on to have two, but we had Harbor. And after Harbor was born, Cooper was eight, and he went into his hardest, our most challenging period. That's when we entered aggression and a lot of self-injuring, a lot of rigidity, and we started our medication journey with him. And I was so scared. I was so worried about being judged. I was so scared of making a mistake. I and no one had ever recommended meds. I mean, I had to find out the information myself. And we started treating his anxiety and our life changed within three days. He sat for the first time, he touched his baby brother, he joined our family, and we've had steady, steady improvements since age eight, he's 11 now. Uh, And we're before age eight, I'll be honest, we had way more regressions than we did progressions.
0: We have a very similar story too, like nobody ever suggested meds. It came to us in the middle of a pandemic lockdown at 15 years old, me calling his doctor and saying it's him or me. I can't do this. And she's like, well, let's try meds. And I'm like, why has nobody ever suggested meds for this kid? And it made a world of difference. Um, Just, you know, sorting out that anxiety component. And I, I call it like calming the chaos in his brain. His brain Mm -hmm. is just on fire and it just calms that down a little bit. And we've seen so many more words. Have you guys seen words with Cooper? Oh yes. He had, or, he had none. Okay.
1: Now he has about 25 words. Okay. And so it's funny that you said that because no one ever mentioned anxiety with Cooper never mm-hmm. or ADHD. I mean, us either. either. No, nope. it was just, and so yourself. here's my, if you take one thing away from it, from my part of this podcast, it's, Be very leery of anyone that says, oh, that's just autism. And you will hear that phrase. You get up and you walk out and you leave because constipation isn't just autism and having to have disimpaction surgeries, eardrums bursting isn't just autism, self-injuring and aggression. There's reasons that these things are happening. I think, and once I changed my way of thinking about that, looking at autism as this overarching thing, and then like, let's talk about Cooper's anxiety and his ADHD and his apraxia and his intellectual disability, all these things. And... Cooper's anxiety is his biggest struggle and it was so bad and it wasn't until a girlfriend said to me I think he has anxiety and I was like kids don't have anxiety you're nice right. exactly She's like oh no that's what that is and within it was like it's in the book but within like a day 24 hours of starting meds he was sitting but now he I mean he started communicating and what if we would have never done it we would have never had words I don't know right I know it's
0: incredible. Well, you're a busy woman. (laughs) That's probably the understatement of the year. (laughs) Are you able to find self-care in any
1: way, shape or form? And what does that look like for yourself? So we are really struggling with lots of things over here which I'm I'm very open about so having the fourth baby she is absolutely amazing but we're like we just cannot figure out a daycare thing like that sounds so funny like what like so she's home a lot and our other son is in sports all the time or um Cooper's actually our easiest right now because he's like our constant he's home he's just chill he's happy to be here but what happens when you have the fourth and I know you can relate to this as you add more children is there's less and less time for yourself. So like when we had three kids like I could steal 15 minutes and read a book. I can't we have nothing now. And and I don't know how to figure it out. I know it's going to get better. We're going to figure this out. Summer is going to help. But we're in a tough spot right now. Mm -hmm. My husband and I are both self-employed. And so what happens for us is we're both always working and then we're kind of always parenting. And then we're kind of always frustrated. And every once in a while you'll post like a
0: date night or a date day with Jamie. Are you able to do that every once in a while
1: still? So both of our parents sets of parents go south for the winter. So we have had no help since December. We are going on a day date tomorrow tomorrow well, she'll be Saturday. Hey. We're going tomorrow and, um, I can't wait. We're going to, and I was like, I made a joke. I was like, do we just like rent a hotel for the day and just like go take a nap? <laughs> Cause like, where do you go when you can the be Jamie's gone? Like,
0: I wasn't thinking a nap, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I
1: but I think we're going to go, um, um, just like have like a super long dinner. I'm, like, let's yeah. like, I want to just time. I need time.
0: Yeah. Just to, think you probably won't even say anything you'll just sit there <laughs> we well, do that often
1: at the end of the night when we finally get everyone down my my littlest still stays up kind of late she's still nursing but when we get everyone down we sit in silence we put the tv on mute yeah Ryan yeah. and I
0: do that in the car a lot I'll be like just turn the music off I just don't want any sound at all we say that
1: all the time
0: <laughs> turn it off yep and he's like good grief I'm like you haven't been home all day see Cooper is a off. um
1: I call him an audit I don't think this is even a term but we use it here he's like an auditory stimmer so like he loves sounds and yep, the yep. funnier the sound is to him like the hoot of an owl or the zoinks of a character falling he'll just repeat it over and over again and it turns the volume from zero to ten zero to ten zero to ten and then he starts manic laughing and humming and I tell you I am Mary Poppins I really truly am until you bring in manic humming and then I um <laughs> that's my trigger point and I'm like it's hard <laughs> I'm like dear lord my sweet boy
0: <laughs> Luke pounds on walls like and I hear him I, I hope my listeners can't hear this but he pounds on walls or even this morning I got him up and I said another day another dollar And all morning he's like another day another dollar <laughs> Oh my, oh my god goodness. i know he had that many words he mimics all the time so you can say like the kids will say funny things and he mimics and they crack awesome. up and they'll even say luke can you pray and he'll go Jesus, da, 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 da. amen they laugh luke can you pray again like, i love leave, it leave luke alone but anything you say he'll try to mimic it it's oh. so funny so and most of it's really cute but you know, the pounding on the wall or the screaming. It's like, stop. But, um, yeah. Yeah. I, I always,
1: care. I give an extra piece of my mama heart to the moms and dads too that go through the, the screaming. I think their vocal stims are hard and, and that's what yes. the hard part of going in the community. Like if you, I mean, so we actually braved it. That's use that word. All of us were, were trying to get in the community more. We brought Cooper to Sawyer's so hockey practice and there was maybe like 10 people there people we knew mostly, and he hummed the whole time to Elmo. Um, it's an Elmo episode we've been watching for 10 years where Elmo makes guac. We love guac. We love guac. And um, he gets so happy, so happy. He hummed the whole time. And it's people are nice for like five minutes. I mean, they're nice, yeah. but then they're like, I'm going to go. No. Right. Yeah.
0: Right. I'm going to go do what I need to do. Yeah. Exactly. I'm going to get out of here. <laughs> yeah. It's really irritating me.
1: As our, I get as it. Our-
0: Yeah. I mean, as mothers, we can't say that. It's our kid. We have to sit there and hear another day, another dollar over and over and over and over again.
1: Yeah. (laughs) yeah.
0: But well, where do you see a need for improvement for families like ours overall? Is is there one thing that you would pinpoint? Like if this could improve, our situation would be so much easier or better or manageable.
1: I mean, you know, there's so many things Um, for us. I wish I could find trusted help for my home. I am very, I mean, Cooper's nonverbal. He can't tell us if someone hurts him or if someone, you know, emotional abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, we would never, I mean, we wouldn't know until it comes out as a behavior. And I, I think the big problem with that is I think we're not, we're not paying these people that take care of these vulnerable. Vulnerable people enough, and that's a big problem. I would, yep. so I will pay whatever I can pay, but I still can't find the people. I can't find people that want to come here and want to work with Cooper and be part of our family. So that's really challenging and affects us probably the most because if I had someone that we could trust, I think we could live more normally and be a, a bigger part of the world. And I don't have. And then the other one is, and this one's just a really a personal one. It's it, I don't know if anyone else could ever relate to this, but as Cooper's getting older, I would love if I could find a friend that wanted to pick him up and take him to the for, a drive-through for ice cream and to look at trains. Cooper has never in eleven years had someone pick him up and take him somewhere, and that's a lot of pressure on our family, knowing he's never going to leave unless we take him. And I wish I could find that person, and I don't know how.
0: Well, to give you some hope, we just found it this year with Luke at 17 years old, we found the most wonderful respite provider in the whole world. Um, She's a special ed teacher and she picks up Luke once a week and they do fun after school things. And then once a month, he spends the night at her house, which is shocking to me.
1: Amazing. Um,
0: And she is, um, there's an Amazon show. I can't think of the name of it off the top of my head. You see it? Yes. As we yeah. see it, you know, the woman in, as we see it, that's mm-hmm. our respite provider and not literally, but she is exactly like that woman, like absolutely yeah. wonderful. Um, and awesome. it,
1: it took 17 years, but we found it. Um, I don't think anyone can truly understand. And I don't want this to come off as like me complaining, but it's so like my nine-year-old, he has a full life and, and, and meaning he has play dates and birthday parties tomorrow. He's going somewhere. He has sports, three different practices on Sunday. He has um, things after school that he goes in early for school. He has programs. And I think that's the part that's overlooked and missed with kids with special needs is Cooper doesn't have that aspect of life. He goes to school and he comes home and it's done. And, and it's a lot of pressure on a family to know that, like when I look at the summer, that he doesn't have one thing. Yeah, Luke either. And that drives me crazy. Like, and how he wants come? To. He needs I know. Oh, he needs to. Yes. And I don't, I'm not going to build it right now. I know, build it. They will come. I don't have time right now. Right. And it's just so much pressure. And like, even if it was just like a family member, like, yes. pick up my kid and take him for a
0: drive. He's an awesome kid. Right. <laughs> it's hard. And I've even said, you know, vacation Bible school, every church in America does these va- vacation Bible school things for. For typical kids, how come you can't set aside like a few days in the summer for kids like ours, like sensory friendly days where people in the community can drop off their kid and know that they're in a trusted, loving environment and they can have something to do throughout the yeah. summer. It's such a struggle. Um, yeah. What What's the solution for the the caregiver, the, the help issue that you see like within your family? Do you think it's all related to pay? Or is it something bigger?
1: Well, I think it's impossible to find people. Like, I mean, I've done the thing where I've called the schools and the colleges and mm-hmm. I'm on a nanny website and care.com has never came through for us. Oh, I'm, us either. No. I, I, and some of it could be on me, too, where I'm just scared. hmm but I I don't know. I, that's the one mystery that I haven't figured out yet how to get really good help. We've thought about like we're waiting for some of the cousins to turn 18 to get older that, to, to help, but I don't know. I don't know. And I know a lot of people feel the same way. So it's not just us. I've had this idea where, cause I have a big group of Minnesota special needs moms. What if we all offered respite once every six months to another mom? So like I would take Chris's son or Rachel's daughter. I mean, it not, not much can phase me. I mean, right. if you're, yeah, if you're all night, I mean, we would be, we keep him or her safe and we would get through right. it. I don't know. Right. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't have the answers for that yet. Yeah.
0: Cause I, I question that too. Cause we have a really hard time finding help too. And even um, once we move into our new house, I've said, I'd like somebody to come and help, you know, after Luke gets off the bus and just help with the dinner and the bathing at least a couple of days a week. And it's like, where do we find this unicorn idea of a person? I have no idea. Cause I'm like you, I, I can't pay you like whatever, but I'm absolutely willing to pay you a fair wage and a livable wage. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And you still mm-hmm. can't find the help. So I don't know what that all, what the solution is, I guess.
1: Well, I but worked it's really hard. Uh, I started my career in the assisted living facilities. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a marketing coordinator and, that was a big problem with the cna role as well um they just couldn't pay enough and in the a lot of these people that are working at cnas and pcas are moms and they have families and they need to pay child care and i think it's hard it's hard to find people that can give that or paras too, give that love and that that's needed for the job but then they need to be paid enough
0: <laughs> yeah it's such a struggle Well, thank you so much for taking time to do this with me today. I have three takeaway questions. Uh, The first one is, how has being a caregiver changed you?
1: Um, I think caring for Cooper has really shown me what matters. I don't sweat a lot of the small stuff anymore. You're not going to see me complaining about very many things because I see how challenging life can be beautiful but challenging and I kind of focus my energy on those things now
0: that's really beautiful and a very common sentiment (laughs) I would say most of the caregivers say something right along that same train of thought Mm -hmm. if you had one hour all to yourself how would you spend it
1: um if I had one hour all to myself um I would probably go somewhere and go for a walk like somewhere like really woodsy so we we used to live up north um we moved for cooper to get him help but i used to spend all my time walking in the woods mm-hmm. and i miss it a lot i don't have that here anymore
0: yeah we are cut from the same cloth i'm the same way i find a state park if i ever have an hour and i just walk and mm-hmm. get that stress out of me get that stuff out of me and i feel so much better afterwards last but not least how many cups of coffee are you drinking these days
1: Oh, funny. Great question. Um, well, I'm still breastfeeding. So I'm trying to be somewhat mindful of little win-win, but I would say I, I, I have two cups in the morning and a cup. I have to have a cup in the afternoon. I have to. <laughs> I'm so keep tired. Going. Yep. Yep.
0: Yep. I hear you. Well, thanks again. Where can people find you? Where can they buy your book? Where, they, where can they follow along with your journey, with your crazy life, all, all the stuff you have going on?
1: Yeah, come follow us on Finding Cooper's Voice on Facebook. I share lots of stories about Cooper, but lots of stories about other families who have children, adult children with disabilities, teens, young, you know, young kids, diagnosis process right on through. Um, I like to believe it's a beautiful community and you can learn so much. You don't have to have a child with a disability to fit in there. And then my book is Forever Boy, and it's on Amazon. You can get it in bookstores. I'm a huge fan of bookstores, but sometimes there's supply issues. So your best bet is to pop on Amazon. And I think it you'll see that it really is a, a really accurate depiction of life with a child with special needs.
0: Well, awesome. Thank you again. Really appreciate having you on today. Thanks, Jess. Thanks for listening today. If you want to know more about The Lucas Project, find us at thelucasproject.org. If you want to know more about my story, head to jessplusthemess.com. And while there, subscribe to my monthly newsletter. Or maybe check out my memoir, Sunlight Burning at Midnight in the meantime, please hit subscribe and maybe leave a quick review. These are so important in the podcast world as they help us gain traction and recognition, which translates into helping more caregivers. And until our next conversation, let's do what we do best. Just keep living.